Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass. UMass fans, gear up for game day and support our partners who back the collective in UMass. Make your game day complete with visits to Joe's Cafe in Northampton, JP's in Holyoke, The Spoke in Amherst, and any of the four tandem locations in Western Mass. Let's show our support. Welcome back to Commonwealth Conversations, everyday Minutemen stories brought to you, as always, by the Mass Collective. I'm your host, Nathan Strauss, and today's guest is the one and only Bill Taylor, who is joining us from his lofty perch on a beautiful afternoon in Comav in Boston. But BT, Bill Taylor, for those who don't know you, how would people know you from your UMass basketball journey? All right. So I'm a two-time UMass grad, a proud alumni, Bachelor of Business Administration, 1996. Also got my master's degree in higher education administration. Uh, 2003. Uh, I was uh, a manager for men's basketball uh, for three of my four years of the Calipari era. Uh, my freshman year, I actually worked in the UMass ticket office, uh, but then kind of transitioned to working with men's basketball. Uh, following that, uh, Bruiser Flint was our head coach following the Calipari time, and I stayed on as a graduate assistant, got my master's degree, uh, did some kind of academic support work with uh with uh, men's basketball and some of the other athletic teams. And yeah, it was a great experience. And uh, I love being part of that, that culture and that Minuteman family. So we've talked to some people who have been around programs in various capacities, whether it be as a manager, a grad assistant, et cetera, but being a manager, what was it like, um, you know, under, under Cal, what was it like, you know, specifically under coach Cal being involved in the program in that way? Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, uh, first of all, like that was, obviously the prime time to be UMass basketball, uh, early mid nineties, uh, you know, nationally ranked program. And there were some days where you just kind of be like, wow, I'm a very small piece of this, but like I'm here, I'm at practice every day. Uh, and it was funny because sometimes you didn't realize even if coach Cal knew your name, you know, Cal was like larger than life, even to us that were part of that program. Uh, and there were sometimes you're like, wow, does this guy really even know who I am? But I have a great Cal story. So I was uh, two of them, actually. One of them was we had a practice at the cage and uh, gymnastics. We used to have a gymnastics team and gymnastics had practice before us. In gymnastics, they use a lot of chalk. 
you know, got to keep their hands dry. And they kind of used chalk and everything, but they cleared all their stuff out. So we had to mop, literally physically mop the court before uh, the practice. But they're parquet floors, so there's cracks in the floors. So uh, we start practice, and we're going out there, and the guys are jogging up and down. And as guys are jogging up and down the court, the, the chalk that's between the crevices kicks up. And the court is becoming chalky, and guys are slipping on the court. And Cal goes ballistic. Like, Cal's like, we got NBA first-round picks out here. What are we doing? So Cal and Cal does, we're going to the locker room. Clean up the court. So I'm like, oh, God, we're in trouble now. So go out here. We're mopping the court. And uh, to this day, one of our – we have an awesome manager crew. We have awesome managers throughout time. But one of my uh, great managers, uh, Mark Steyer, uh, we were like, how are we going to get the, the, the chalk out of these crevices? And uh, he goes in his bag and he pulls out a knife. And we're like, what does this kid have a knife for? And to this day, everybody still calls him Dahmer after Jeffrey Dahmer. Because we're like, why does he have a knife? So we literally carve the chalk out of the things and remop the court to get at the Cal's thing. We talked to him. So uh, a couple of years back, they had the reunion of the 1996 team. And we brought up the story to Coach Cal, who... Uh, it's like, what? That never happens. But I'm just like, eh, that happens. That happens. So Cal's been great. That's awesome. And th- thinking about that, you know, that's a small part of what leads the program to success. You got to have guys who carry knives. It's, yeah. yeah. Moral, of story is, moral of the story is you got to, you know, you got to be prepared. You never know what that's uh, going to look like. Yeah. Unbelievable. And a second Cal story is just a, a great personal one. Uh, you know, again, you kind of like, hey, you know, I'm a real smart piece of this. I don't know how much Cal knows me. Uh, but I was kind of a nerd back in college. I always wanted to do different things. And in 1994, uh, Lou Rowe played for a Goodwill Games team, so USA basketball team. And the head coach is a guy, George Raveling, who uh, was a longtime USC head coach, ended up working for Nike for a long time. Uh, but uh, I had reached out. I wrote a letter, and I'm like, hey, can I intern, do anything with this team, help out? And they, Coach Rav called the basketball office and asked for Cal. And I was like, you know, I – who's this Bill Taylor guy? Why is he reaching out to me? And I'm like, Oh shoot. Like, I don't even think Cal knows anything about this. And I'm outside at a baseball game, uh, Earl Orton field in the back there. And Bill Baino, one of our assistant coaches comes out. He's like, Hey, like George Raveling just called to talk to Cal about you. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, Cal wants me to bring you upstairs. We're going to call coach Rav. We're going to tell him like how important you are to this program. And I'm just like, Cal knows who I am. Uh, and Cal was awesome and kind of connected me with uh, Coach Raveling. And although I didn't get to work with that USA basketball team, I stayed connected with Coach Raveling for a really long time, one of my great mentors. And I got to work from 1996 through 2004, kind of on the uh, Nike summer uh, high school circuit. After he retired from coaching, he went in to run the Nike grassroots program. And I worked the Nike All-America camp uh, in Indianapolis for about eight, nine years. And it was just an awesome experience. And just one of the things where – the connections that you can make uh, through uh, UMass basketball and through that, that staff. It was awesome. I think we, so we've talked to a lot of people and I feel like everyone who worked with Cal or with Bruiser in, in some way has still managed to keep them uh, as a connection. As we've talked, we joked a little bit about the Rolodex, but like, it, it does seem like there are certain guys who really do have that gift of whether or not you work for them two years ago now or 20 years ago, they still, you know, treat you with respect and, and keep you connected. How wh- how connected are you nowadays to them, uh, yeah. even in their current positions? 
So uh, last February, my wife and I actually went down to Lexington uh, and we went down for the Florida game, uh, reached out. They left us tickets. We I don't know if my wife appreciated this as much as I did, but uh, I think the game was on a Saturday, Saturday night. We got there on Thursday. We went to practice on Thursday. We went to practice on Friday. Uh, we went to shoot around on Saturday. Uh, uh, we went to the game on Saturday night. Uh, went out to dinner a couple times in that kind of time frame. So uh, they're great. They're they're awesome. You know, I'll text Cal after a big win. I stay in touch a lot more with Brew. Cal's Cal's super busy, but I'll text Cal after after big wins, and he'll always respond and say thanks, Billy. Uh, so, but it's awesome to go back and again just being like a a manager for that time. Uh, one interesting Kentucky story. I try to go back every year. About four years ago, I went back and they were having a practice. He kind of stopped practice and he's like. Billy, will you tell these guys how easy this is now? Like, he's changed. He's changed a lot. You know, he's a definitely a player's first coach. And, you know, back then, times were different. It was a little bit more of a yeller and screamer in the 90s. That was kind of what coaching was a little bit. And he's changed it. He's like, just tell these guys how different this is. And I'm just shook my head. Yep, Cal's right, man. This is different. I think in, I think in many ways, the fact that he's been able to adapt from the 90s to now is, is a huge 100%. testament to why he's been able to have success. Because yeah. as we as we see, like not everyone is able to do that. Guys who were yeah. great coaches in the 80s and 90s, it doesn't yep. always translate. And guys who jump in now who are tremendous coaches now might not have fared that way back in the day. I say as I say back in the day as if I wasn't born in 99. But yeah. you know, the, yeah. the stories that we hear. No. Absolutely. Different. Absolutely. Like he's. A Hall of Fame coach, right? Hall of Fame coach, but really a Hall of Fame person. Because like I said, you know, the fact that a student manager that worked for him for three years and, you know, I come down to Kentucky and they treat me so well and, and you know, returns texts and, yeah, like just a really good good people, good people. I'm very, very fortunate to have been associated with great people through UMass, whether they be the players that built relationship, all the uh, managers that we worked with, you know, great coaches, Bruiser. But, you know, Cal, but even the assistants, John Robick, Jeff Arnold, uh, getting connected with Jack Lehman through that era. You know, I work at Boston University now. I don't think I'd actually work here if it wasn't for Jack Lehman. Jack, when I was looking for jobs, was was a person that I talked to a lot about what I wanted to do after I was kind of leaving the athletics uh, space and, and kind of encouraged me to jump to BU. I love going to BU games and seeing Jack Lehman's number. His number's retired here up in the rafters. Uh, reminds me of coach all the time. So just... Yeah, the UMass has done so much for me and the UMass basketball connection, uh, just the people and, you know, the, the campus is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but I always say, like, my experience with UMass is about the people, like the people I've met and uh, basketball has just connected me with so many great people and taught me so much and I consider a lot of those people, outside of my own uh, parents, great mentors that help make the person that I am today. Without a doubt. Do you have a favorite UMass basketball moment um, so I'm actually going to go. So again, I was kind of a, a nerdy kid in, in high school. So I used to like write letters to the coaches. Who are you recruiting? What's going on? Uh, I was a huge college basketball fan. The old tip off classic uh, used to be in Springfield, Mass. Used to start the college basketball season. So I used to love that. So that makes me think of the Arkansas win uh, in 95. But for, probably for me, I'm going to go back to my high school days. I was my sisters both went to UMass, so I used to kind of sneak up on campus and pretend I was a student, borrow someone's ID and sneak into the cage uh, for games. But one of my favorites is I went as, on the student bus trip. I wasn't quite a student yet, 
uh, to the Siena NIT game in 1991, which was kind of the launching point of before UMass made their runs in the NCAA. And uh, Tony Barbie hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to send the game to overtime. In overtime, Jim McCoy got the only bucket. We won by two and got to go to the NIT Final Four. The game was at Knickerbocker Arena. I don't know what it's called now. Knickerbocker Arena in uh, Albany. And it was just an awesome experience. And it was kind of like that start of UMass basketball's climb uh, nationally. So that's my favorite uh, UMass basketball moment. Yeah, it's that's, it's hard to beat that. Uh, and obviously, like, you know, I think one thing that Cal has done pretty well, that we sort of talked about is, you know, he's embraced NIL to a certain extent because he knows that at the end of the day, refusal to do that is just, is just, you know, yeah. Look at football, for example. It has to be done. Has uh, to be done. What is your opinion on sort of the importance of NIL right now, and and how you know something like the Mass Collective can help UMass in the long term? You know, get guys to campus. Yeah, it's essential. Uh, I mean, it is. If if you're not in the collective space or in the NIL space, you're falling behind. Uh, I'm a big believer. So UMass, and a lot of people say like, oh, the fans will come when the success happens. And I'm like, why can't the fans help make the success happen? Like, join now. Don't, like, for me, like, yeah, when we went to the Final Four, and I talked about my favorite UMass moment, and it was the NIT, right? And, yeah, we went to the Final Four, and I was a manager for a Final Four team. And I said my favorite moment was as a fan in 1991 when they went to the NIT. And it's because, like, the process. You have to enjoy the process. Like, if you're a part of the process, like, don't be the person that just jumps on the bandwagon. Like, I think if people want to see this program trend in a positive direction, the best thing that they can do is do it now and then be a part of that journey and give these student athletes uh, different opportunities and, and help the coaching staff reach their goals. So that's where I think the mass collective has done an awesome job. I can't speak high enough for Pat. I tell him every time I, I see him about how much I really appreciate the amount of work that goes into to what he does. Cause it's really, really important and it's essential and if this program is is going to be uh, a winner in the future, we have to do it. And by we, I mean everybody that's a UMass fan. If you're a UMass fan and you're not part of the collective, I think it's a disservice. Like you have to, you know, you don't have to give $100 a month. You know, give what you can. Be a part of it. Be part of the numbers. Let, let's spread the word and the positivity around UMass basketball uh, because that's ultimately what's going to help this program grow. Now, if you could have an NIL deal yourself, who are you asking to, to you know, to hit your line for the, the Bill Taylor, you know, yeah. exclusive deal? So I've, I've actually thought about this. So again, I've listened to some of a lot of the previous episodes and what people have had to say. So going back to my time, you know, I didn't have a car on campus. So I think about like fathers and sons and Vinny Fasaro and, uh, you know, Northampton Ford with Scotty Serrett or Marcotte Ford. Those people are great. Uh, so I thought about that. Antonio's is an obvious answer. I'm going to go off the board, and I think that a lot of 1990s UMass uh, people are going to love this one, and it's coming back. I'm going DP Doe, Calzones. Give me my 1990s DP Doe Calzones. It's coming back. I cannot wait to come to campus and get a DP Doe and maybe go to White Lion and have a drink with it. So, yeah. go DP Doe. You know, I, I just put, I just tweeted yesterday, uh, you know, if, if DP Doe wants their first ever broadcaster partnership, I'm a huge Calzone fan. I think yep. it's like the perfect form. It's like the perfect, like I'm on the go. I can just, you know, eat it in the car better than, but I, I, I'm looking forward to it coming back. I think it's like two or three weeks away from opening yeah. now. I hope they bring back the coach Calzone. Like that was, a, that was a Calzone back in the day. I don't remember what the ingredients were, but they should bring that back. 
You can't go wrong though with like anything. If you've been having a drink or two, anything with like bread and cheese, yeah, you know, 100%. mozzarella sticks, quesadillas, whatever the case may be. But deep the how about the Bill Taylor zone? What what, what would your calzone yeah. be? Uh, yeah, it would probably be something either chicken parmish or like cheeseburger, like cheeseburger calzone, a chicken parm calzone. Those are right up my alley. I love the meats. Great. That's a that's a great shout. Uh, obviously, you've seen you know our last question. You've heard our last question as well. Which player all time are you entrusting with taking a game winning shot? And I feel like you're gonna have a great answer to this. Yeah. So I feel like most people, and I don't know, you know, I think a couple of people have said Mike Williams. So Mike Williams was Mr. Clutch. I'm gonna go again that pre era Tony Barbie. Tony Barbie hit some big shots on that climb that UMass had. I mentioned the the three at Siena to send the game to overtime. I think he had a game winner against Temple at the cage. Uh, I remember a game at GW where he scored like six points in six seconds. Uh, so I'm going Tony Barbie. Yeah, that's a great that's a great shout. I mean, Tony Barbie, we'll see uh, what he can get done this year as well. And now that he's because I guess you would have been a manager under him, right? When he was. Yeah, he was an assistant coach, actually, for a little while when I was there. And my freshman year, that's when I worked in the ticket office. He was a senior. So he's a little ahead of me in school. Uh, but yeah, Tone was great. Tone's great friend. Clapped for uh, for a year. I was working in the ticket office his senior year, but he was an assistant coach at UMass uh, during during a couple of the years where I was a GA. Uh, so yeah, a lot of lot of fun working with Tone. He's great. And fire up chips. He's at Central Michigan now. So yeah, no, just, when you turn in tune into some Mac, some action, yeah, action, exactly. Yes. Uh, Villa, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you on, on Twitter or wherever you are, where what's the best way for people yeah, to do I'm, I'm BT Hoops 12 on Twitter uh, or X, whatever we're calling it these days. But uh, you can also find me in Section W oftentimes at the Mullen Center. I still have my season tickets. Try to make it out as much as I can uh, and just uh, support Coach Martin. Uh, Coach Martin, I mentioned uh, the Coach Raveling connection. You know, Coach Martin uh, worked at, when he was a high school coach. Many of those uh, same Nike camps that I did. So I've known Coach Martin since the late 90s, early 2000s, when he was a high school coach working camps together. So happy he's back in the fold and supporting him. Bill, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I'm looking forward to catching up with you uh, probably at the Mullen Center or maybe even at DP Doe uh, yes. this fall, this winter. Um, and, Perfect. you know, thank you for, thanks to everyone who's tuning in to, uh, to Commonwealth Conversations, Everyday Minutemen Stories brought to you by the Massachusetts Collective. I've been Nathan Scrowes. We will talk to you soon. As always, go UMass. UMass fans, gear up for game day and support our partners who back the collective in UMass. Make your game day complete with visits to Joe's Cafe in Northampton, JP's in Holyoke, The Spoke in Amherst, and any of the four tandem locations in Western Mass. Let's show our support. Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, 
When you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass.